What is up? We are back. Tony in the field. Tony in the field. Oh my God. I love this guy. So excited to be on Tony in the field. Love the show. Oh man. I can't wait. I'm fired up. Preston, what's on the menu, brother? The gloves are coming off. James catches, puts up a three. Won't go. Rebound box. Back out to Allen. History part of What is up, everybody? This is Tony and the Field. We are so pumped to be back with you guys after a little bit of a long layoff. The NBA is back tomorrow after four and a half months. We are taping this on Wednesday, July 29th. I'm the Field, a.k.a. Preston Highfield. He is Tony, a.k.a. Big Tony, holding it down in the Bay Area. Coming up on this pod, we'll have a seltzer update. Lou Will eating wings, catfish nuggets, and fries at Magic City Strip Club in Atlanta. We'll do a little NBA preview for you. Barstool and politics. How do we feel about Portnoy's sit-down with Trump and what Big Cat had to say in response? Plus, is college football happening? Joe Kelly getting suspended for eight games. I'll do a quick Blazers rant, and AP will have a quick rant on overused office terms. What's up, Big Tony? Chief, what's going on, baby? Shout out to all the fans, too. We back. Been a minute, but, you know, we had to hop back on the mic again. The show must go on. And, Chief, before we continue with the rest of the menu, I want to wish you a very early happy birthday. I know it's coming up on Friday, boss, but happy birthday, bro. Uh, Wish I could be up there to celebrate, and I I hope you have a great weekend plan, man. Much appreciated, bro. Uh, Yes, got a a great couple days planned here. Doing a little golfing at Broadmoor tomorrow with my pops and uh, his buddy Jay Flume and AKA Bird and uh, his son Ryan, who also has the exact same birthday as me, July 31st. He's just a year younger. So that'll be fun. Probably going to make a nice home cooked meal with the folks tomorrow and watch uh, Lakers Clippers. Then the real birthday is on Friday, and we're doing a, a small, socially distanced uh, get together. Our buddy's got a, a pool house. That'll be fun. Turn on some NBA and chill in the pool and have a couple seltzers and and life will be all good. That sounds perfect, man. Hey, speaking of seltzers, I got to give a seltzer update to the folks chief. Uh, Not, not a full complete power ranking, but I, can we all agree that watermelon high noons are are the best seltzers in the game? What do you Mm. think about that? Yeah, that's, that's hands down. They got that on lock right now. I, I I agree. I don't think that there's a close second, really. I, watermelon. It's got to be watermelon. Watermelon, high noon sun sips. Best seltzer in the game by far. Best taste. Uh, real vodka, not not malt beverage, which, folks, just think about what that actually is for a second with the other seltzers. And it's refreshing, man, and a few of those, and you're feeling great. Um, can we also agree, though, 
that the other side of the coin, Lime White Claw has to be the worst seltzer in the game. Yeah, I'm not a big Lime White Claw guy. I agree. I agree. Yeah, I think that's the worst. I mean, when we had those at the at the Sun River House on the fourth, Chief, folks were folks were leaving those behind. They were drinking everything else like it was water, and then at the end of the night, we just had a bunch of lime white claws hanging out in the hot tub. Folks were drinking homemade moonshine before they were turning to the to the lime claws. Shout, shout out to the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> the doctor, but shout not the for doctor. the weekend. AK. The doctor for that for the weekend. Um, yeah, I had to give a quick update there. I, I think that Watermelon High Noon is by far the best in the game. After that, I mean, the Black Cherry truly is not bad. Um, the other flavors of High Noon aren't bad. Yeah, I like the Pineapple White High Noon got, a lot. The Pineapple High Noon is good. Yeah, yeah. High, high Noon is just, it's, it's hard to go wrong there. But I think Watermelon's kind of head and shoulders above the rest of the field. White Claw, the berry flavors you're you're probably better off having one of those as opposed to like one of the lime ones that you know those aren't very good um but yeah i mean the truly game is is isn't that good either except for just the black cherry the seltzer game in general chief it's kind of an oversaturated market at this point but i think there's a couple that are are you know clearly at the top like that watermelon noon and then the rest kind of you're kind of splitting hairs to find differences between the the rest of the field, huh? Agreed. I I've tried the Bud Light Seltzer, surprisingly not like horrific. Um, but White Claw for, and Truly, I like Truly a lot too. Um, you know, just Watermelon High Noon is is a cut above. The thing that I think is is keeping it from completely exploding is the fact that it's real vodka. So, for example, in in states like Oregon, where you can't just sell vodka and at general grocery stores high noons are actually tough to find i had to call two different liquor stores to chase down some high noons and even when i got to this liquor store they only had them in the back they hadn't even stocked them on the shelves yet and the guy was like man you must really want these and i was like yeah they're good dude you, you guys should stock up on these <laughs> um, like, uh, yeah it's uh, the rockies <laughs> like yeah we're in the rockies um so so yeah, that the the, uh, the the general manager of that liquor store is a little bit behind the eight ball on the seltzer game. Uh, I think he'll maybe figure it out soon. He should probably consult some some mid twenty something bros. But uh, but no, man, yeah, I agree. Then the nooners are hard to find at times, but uh, when you do, man, and the other thing is too, they are they are a little more expensive. They're like it's like at least in Oregon, it's about ten bucks for a four pack, um, which isn't isn't cheap, especially can considering you can get about 12 claws or trulies for like 15 bucks but um you know it's you, you know it's it's worth it it's worth it especially the watermelon ones yeah those those are fire the price point i i think accurately reflects the quality uh, again folks it's it's vodka instead of instead of malt beverage um so just you know think about that and and, and i honestly believe that they taste better so mm. I, i'm all for spending a, a little bit extra coin for that for that great refreshing taste there we We're go all right high noon yet not yet not yet folks but maybe one day we will shout out El Prez. let's go nooners you know what to do um all right ap we got to start in the only place the only only possible place that we should start which is lou williams uh you know some rapper 
put him on his IG story and Lou Will had the, had the mask on from the bubble that's only available in the bubble. And so it became quite obvious that it was Lou Will. Uh, the rapper then tweeted something to the effect of, oh, no, that was just an old picture and story of us. Uh, I, was, I just missed him. Uh, t- a, t- a tough lie there, a tough luck that got outed very quickly. Uh, and then Lou Will, uh, you know, actually did come clean on Twitter um, and and say, said that he was there just for a quick, he said, hashtag in and out, hashtag mask up. He was there for a quick in and out pickup of the wings. Um, you know, it's easy to in, in, in culture today to just right away be like, oh, God, Lou, what, do you, I mean, what are you thinking? Could you possibly any bigger, be bigger of an idiot for doing this during a global pandemic? But I think both of us are on the same page here. We're giving Lou Will the benefit of the doubt. He was just in and out for some unreal wings, catfish nuggets, and fries. And that was backed, by the way, by almost everyone who's ever been there. You had a, a sports center anchor, L. Duncan, tweeting about it. You had Shannon Sharp tweeting about it. And then you had a ton of famous athletes tweeting that that a lot of people go there just to pick up some a to-go order of some wings and man that 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 platter looked sensational that looked like some real southern food i've seen that photo posted about a thousand times now and every time i look at it i want to get on a flight and and go to atlanta just to pick up that platter chief those wings they looked like they were cooked to perfection. The fries, the catfish bites. I hadn't even heard of catfish bites, but they looked amazing. With the sauces too in the in the to-go platter. Man, hey, I don't know about you, man, but 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 that thing looked A1. And I would for sure, personally, I would for sure go out of my way to pick that up. Just that from that establishment. Just fly into Hotline. I hit a Waffle House one day, and then the the wing stop at Magic City later that night. No, dude, they look great, and that thing was piled to the brim. I mean, that could have been forty dollars, and it still would have been worth it. You had a dozen wings, countless amounts of catfish nuggets, and and fries, and those the crinkle cut fries with the sauce just looks unreal. Um, it looked like there was like some fry sauce and some ranch in there as well. And I agree, man. I mean, I'm not I don't I don't frequent strip clubs, but as far as strip club food, that is probably at the top of the list. That's not the only place, by the way, that I've heard of people going to that kind of an establishment, we'll call it that, just for the food. There's a place in San Francisco that I've heard has a five dollar buffet. Uh, I believe it's called the Gold Club, and apparently they have unreal fried chicken, and a lot of business professionals will go there for that $5 fried chicken buffet lunch, um, you know, just as like kind of a casual out-of-the-office uh, lunch any day of the week. So that's a that's a big thing in SF. And then again, once again, Chief, I've heard that there's an establishment in Portland that you can get a full steak dinner while enjoying your show i, I believe it's i believe it's called sassy's <laughs> is it really i know i, I, I think I've... But I've, I've, I've never been there skip i've never skip? been there but i've heard i've heard that there have been people seen there eating steak dinners while enjoying the other features of the club i believe I I wouldn't doubt that. I can't speak to that. I'm not sure, but there is there is a uh, 
famous strip club called Acropolis, and they call people, folks folks in Portland call it the Acrop, the Acrop Steakhouse, and that is is for sure the the place that I know of among Portlanders that have that are also that is also known for uh for a nice steak dinner or some steak bites, if you will, for lunch, like five bucks or ten bucks for some nice steak bites. See, I would do that any day of the week. I would go there, you know, as like a, a, a business lunch, pick up some of that food to go and and feel like I got a good deal. Yeah. Oh, I just looked it up. Don't freak out. Iconic Portland Steakhouse Strip Club Acrop has closed. Ooh. So there's room in the market, folks. There's room in the market if if you're looking to get into that. But Big Tony, this brought us to a different point, or I guess a similar one. But the general thought, and you brought this up, of food at strip clubs, uh, to me, it's just uh, yeah, it does not seem overly appealing. But if the food is really good, and every person like to a T has said this Magic City strip club has unreal wings, and I, I can get down for some unreal wings if we're talking fire on the mountain quality or better. Oh, I, I could get it to go order there as well. And that, that brought you to the idea of thinking about different food that you'd like to see at strip clubs well yeah i i mean certainly i i agree i don't think that it's the best combination um in in terms of of dine in but to go <laughs> i don't i don't that ain't no problem I, I don't see an issue with that if you want to go to to acropolis and get some steak bites to go if they're that good then it's just like picking up steak bites from any other establishment to go you want to get wings from magic city it's just like calling in an order of of six strips from fire on the mountain thai peanut sauce shout out shout it's, it I out mean, it's, it's it's the same it's the same concept right as far Agreed. as what i'd like to see it's i mean you know bar food like to to, to go food i think is mm -hmm. the the most feasible option if i want to get some boneless wings and that happens to be one of the top options in the area i'm not discriminating I'm going to pick up some of that food. So the jury is all in. When we go to Atlanta, Big Tony, because you and I will make it there someday, there will be a college football game that will call our name someday. Oregon plays Georgia in Atlanta, I believe, in a couple of years. Um, in like 2050? We, we might have to stop by, big fella, and, and get, a, get a dozen to go and some fries and some fry sauce. They'll probably call that a neutral location too, huh? Yeah, oh, yeah. I swear, oh, yeah. SDC just doesn't come west, man. Oh no, <laughs> they're not. The SEC is not coming to Eugene, Oregon. Hell no. Florida State was about, which is obviously not SEC, but Florida State was about to go to Boise State this year. A big bummer that that got canceled because that would have been great to see. But um, all right, with our Seltzer and Lou Will updates aside, should we move on to to some sports for a second, Big Tony? Let's hit it. So we got the NBA bubble starting tomorrow. Jazz Pels, 3.30. Lakers Clips to follow on TNT with, with the GOAT, Kevin Harlan, um, who, by the way, also dropped a uh, Magic City reference in his broadcast the other day uh, that you shared with me on IG, which was hilarious. Um, how are you feeling about the bubble, Big Tony? I mean, everyone's – you know, it, it's funny when you listen to the national media preview it. It's like, oh, here are my sleepers. And the three, because the three contenders are so obvious. I mean, to me, barring injury, you know, if injury happens, you never know. But barring injury, it'd be a shock if the Clippers, Lakers, or Bucks didn't win the title. 
Uh, I think we all kind of agree on that. So everyone's like, who are your sleepers? Heat, Celtics, Blazers? What, you know, how do you feel about these teams? Um, I'll just give you the floor to start off. I mean, how do you feel about about the NBA picture right now as we have the seeding games and then head into the playoffs pretty shortly here after after eight games? It'll be about a month of basketball. Well, I'm just happy that it's up and running and that there have been there's been positive momentum, right? So no tests for a couple of time periods in a row. The games are on TV. They're actually happening. Players don't look out of shape for the most part. High quality basketball for the most part um, has taken place. So I'm just happy that it's it's back. It's up and running and it looks to be in a good spot. And the regular season starts tomorrow. And it doesn't look like a complete disaster by any means. In fact, it looks very serviceable. So, I mean, are there some weird things about it that people probably won't ever get used to? Yeah, the, the no home court uh, atmosphere is going to be awkward. Um, you know, there's there's going to be a lot of games packed into a, a tight window here. Some of the players aren't in the bubble. Some have opted out. But by and large, Chief, this is about as as best of a, of a scenario as we could have hoped for. And so far it's looking pretty solid. Agreed. Yeah. I've watched all three Blazers preseason games. Um, you know, obviously good to have, have Nurkic and Collins back running and just in general. Yeah. But as far as the way everything's structured, we haven't seen players complain much, which I think you would see that really quickly if there was something wrong there. I think you would see a lot of players take to Twitter or, or IG and be like, Oh, I can't believe, we have to do this, this, and this, but like you haven't really seen any complaints. I've been watching some sweet NBA bubble content. Uh, shout out to the guys. One of them is a U of O grad who runs that NBA bubble Twitter account uh, where they basically pull like top content from the day and kind of summarize it, which I think is a pretty cool idea. And then you got like guys like JaVale McGee. He makes a video almost every day of life inside the bubble, which is just some awesome content. It's like, them at practice or them fishing or them golfing or, or whatever the case, them like, you know, eating, eating their dinner. And it's, I don't know. It's just kind of interesting. Obviously we all kind of crave that access to these superstar athletes and it's been cool to see that too. So, I mean, from a content side, we haven't really lacked much. I mean, the, the scrimmages have been available. Obviously there will be, plenty of games on national television. It'll be somewhat similar to the way that the regular season works in terms of the regional networks will still still carry the games. A uh, couple of my buddies who work for the Blazers are, are back at home. They'll be broadcasting from the Moda Center. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as like the way content gets distributed, it'll still be on the RSNs and the national networks. Blazers have a decent amount of national games. I think their first game against Memphis is interesting. Obviously, Portland against Memphis... Um, you know, neither of those teams is going to win the title, but it's kind of an interesting game on, on Friday for the kind of the eight, nine battle there. It seems to me like I'd, I'd probably put some money on the fact that Portland will, will end up playing Memphis in a best two out of three for the right to get the eighth seed in the West. Uh, but yeah, I mean, as far as like the content side or anything, it's actually only gotten better, which to be fair, the NBA had a massive advantage in terms of, um, you know, not a ton of players. Uh, only, you know, 22 teams. Like, for example, baseball, if they tried to bubble it, they probably would have had to bubble at a couple different locations. 
but any any anyways, I mean it's just been it's been it's been nice. The NBA's executed it perfectly. I think it's a big win for Adam Silver. I think everyone was pretty skeptical going in. There's a definitely a strong chance it could have gone gone wrong. But also, I mean, outside of a our, our buddy Pierce, shout out loyal listener Pierce Fedig brought this up. Outside of a cruise ship, or which you can literally mandate everyone who steps on and off, um, uh, this this bubble style in in disney world is about as good as you can do as far as kind of controlling the environment so it's good stuff yeah i I think that everything has been pretty damn smooth up until this point like i said uh, about as good as we could have hoped for what are we thinking about in in terms of uh, of futures here what what are we thinking about matchups um some of the players how do they look overall how do you think that not only this shortened final chapter of the regular season is going to go but playoffs in general I I think it's fair to start looking at the overall three-month period of this bubble and 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 having some predictions here yeah I mean it's 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 kind of it doesn't seem like much is going to change I mean there are a couple key players from teams who haven't who are going to be left out or or going to miss parts of time it sounds like Lou will Trez Harrell are both still out of the bubble or are about to be back in, but will miss the first game or two. And Pat Bev might as well. So as far as like contenders, it seems like, you know, obviously Avery Bradley's not going to play for the Lakers. Um, So the Clippers may be hobbling to start. Although I don't really think, here's the thing. It's not really like the Clippers are still going to coast because the Lakers should absolutely waltz to the one seed in the West. So the Clippers, I can't imagine the Clippers like going insanely hard. And of course they're going to try to win every game, but like, you know, doing everything they can at all costs and playing their stars 38, 40 minutes a night just to try to get a one seed, but home court doesn't even matter. Plus the Lakers are so far ahead anyway. I don't have the standings in front of me, but I think the Lakers are like five and a half games ahead, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so... Uh, you know, I think I think as far as like seedings, pretty much everything's set that matters. Um, you'll see, like I said, I think you'll see Blazers Grizzlies at the eight nine battle uh, for the right to play the Lakers and and probably lose uh, pretty pretty badly or at least you know lose that series. But yeah, man, I don't really see anything changing. I mean, um, I, I guess you know Kawhi is going to play more. Paul George is going to play more. Um, hopefully AD stays healthy. That's really all I care about from a Lakers perspective. I think he, uh, Vogel said the other day that he, he's going to play in their first game. He got poked in the eye by MCW, who I forgot was in the league, but is actually playing okay for, for the magic lately. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, as far as just like an overall kind of preview of, of what we expect to see, I mean, I, I, I get a lot of the hot takes out there or that the, the Rockets and the Celtics are kind of like the sexy sleepers. Some people are saying the Sixers. I am literally never going to think the Sixers are going to be a contender ever with two extremely immature faces of the franchise and Embiid and, and Simmons. Those guys are going to need to to grow up to be like thirty five for me to, to for me to ever bet on on, on either of those guys. <laughs> They're just immature every so. now and then. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Aside from the fact that Ben will never be able to shoot and is constantly shooting with his wrong hand. Um, I, it'd be, I, I'd be, I mean, truly shocked if the Sixers ever did anything notable. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, that's how I see it. I think I see, you know, obviously Lakers and Clippers out West and the Bucks will be unchallenged out East, I would imagine. 
Yeah, I'm not pure sweat over here studying hours and hours of film, but Ben Simmons still looks like he's shooting like so uncomfortably that it's just it's not going to be natural for him if he keeps having these crappy mechanics. I saw a recent video of him with like all these experts trying to trying to like basically analyze his shot nine ways to Sunday and get it to work. And he's still sticking his elbow out so far. And the rotation is like, he's throwing a, a, a curve ball down the pipe. It's like, dude, what do you do? Who is, who is working with you slash? Why are you still shooting like this? And, and it's a little too late to try to fix this now, man. Like this will take at least three to six months for you to like properly repair um, these like last minute, it's like he's trying to put some Billy Mays flex seal tape on it, Chief, on that, <laughs> on that shot. It's just not going to work out, man. You're not going to be able to you're not going to be able to flex seal that that glass boat up for you to sail into the into the ocean. I don't know, man. It's a it's it's a crack up for sure. He, he, he can't shoot, and I'd be shocked if he even attempts multiple threes in the playoffs. But yeah, that's my quick Ben Simmons rant. I agree, man. Everything else seems like pretty straightforward. Clips, Bucks, Lakers, still the contenders, barring any crazy injury. Can't wait to have all those guys on the Clippers back to see what they look like at full strength because they were rolling at the end of the regular season before it got shut down. Um, hopefully AD can stay healthy. Hopefully Giannis can stay healthy. Rockets, I don't know. I, I can't trust them. I I, I I mean, they're good. They're they're dangerous, but I, I can't trust them, especially if Eric Gordon's out. That that kind of sucks um, for them. But I don't think that they're going to be able to upset either the, the Clippers or the Lakers in the West. And then, as you mentioned, in the East, it'll be competitive just like last year, but I don't think the Sixers are the favorite. Toronto still looks really good. Celtics have a ton of depth. I, I think the Bucks are still by and far the favorite to come out of there and then whichever LA team they play in the in the finals will be a hell of a series but I think it'll be pretty predictable moving forward yeah I'm pumped to see uh Luca in the postseason there was a top 10 list that came out the other day <clears throat> and it had Luca I think at six or seven and and Lillard wasn't on it so your, your boy being a Portland guy was obviously slightly triggered by that and and curious as to how you could put five players and or 10 players in front of Lillard. I, I I get that he's probably consensus, not top five, but I think he by all accounts is a top 10 player. And, and especially some of the other guys in front of him. It was just like, Kyrie what? wasn't on it, right? I don't believe so. I okay. don't believe so. All right. Um, I can double, I'm, I'm going to pull, I'm going to pull it up on. Yes, I know you are. You versus Holly on the Kyrie topic is always, always content folks. It is always good content. Kyrie truly is a I, mysterious player. I can't see how people could ever rate him over Dame, though. Right. Um, okay, here we go. Here's the list, by the way. So, Braun, Giannis, Kawhi, Harden, AD. Um, yeah, tough to say Dame's better than any of those guys. That being said, I think there are definitely moments when he's better than Harden and AD. And AD hasn't done anything in the playoffs without um, without Braun. But but I, I I get it I I get it I won't like I won't lose my mind over it. The next the next five, <clears throat> Embiid, Luca, Paul George, Jokic, and Jimmy Butler. Um, Jimmy Butler? What? 
it or Jimmy, Jimmy Butler. Butler or Jokic for for anyone who watched the postseason last year. I'm not sure where we're going with either Jimmy of those. Butler? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jimmy Butler. Um, Did Jimmy Butler make that list? Jimmy Butler was number ten. Uh, by the way, the reason uh, Steph and uh, yeah, the reason Steph is not on this, it says best players inside the bubble. Um, <clears throat> otherwise, he'd obviously be in there. But um, yeah, Jimmy Butler's on here. The Jokic definitely not better than Dame. Uh, Embiid, his stats might be, but um, you know, I, I still definitely wouldn't take Embiid over Dame. Luca, I, I the potential is obviously unbelievable, but we haven't seen him in the in the postseason yet, so that's why I kind of put TBD on on those kind of guys. Now, Paul George, I mean, really good defender, obviously better defender than Dame, but I mean, if anyone watched the OKC Portland series last year, it was like really clear who the best player in that series was. Like, I get Paul George is tall. And he's a good defender, and he did carry some of those Pacers teams to a, a decent run in in the playoffs. But uh, man, I don't know. Just for Dame to not be in in here on the top ten, and especially behind a lot of those guys, I was I was shaking my head. It was probably like one of those one of those old unpaid high school interns for Bleacher Report that put that together, and is now like writing for another site. Right. Do you remember that, by the way, when Bleacher Report literally made a business model off off free labor uh-huh. and then turned around and like eventually just built it to it built it into a multi-million dollar empire that still triggers me to this day i can't believe that actually <laughs> happened but yeah that's a good point that happened, folks now that was like the whole thing behind it. that's why they called it bleach report it was like anyone could write for them um and then honestly i think twitter and ig are what really blew them up and they're them just like posting content to that but um where was it going? Oh, by the way, this other list came out, and I don't, I, and I hate lists, and I hate talking about lists because it's just like easy content that doesn't take that much thought behind. Um, but just really quickly, since we're on it, the NFL Top 100 came out, which isn't media members; it's it's real players. It's they said over a thousand players. I read the press release; over a thousand players voted on the top 100 players in the league for the NFL. So it's all player voting, and Patrick Mahomes came in behind. Lamar Jackson and Russell Wilson, um, who are great players, great players. And I love Lamar, by the way. I think his personality is great. I think he's a dope football player, very well deserving of the MVP last year. Um, great. And again, that's the other thing, like comparing people. It's just like it makes you makes it seem like you're tearing someone down, which I'm not. But to have Mahomes behind those guys was just a, another head scratcher. And it was voted on by the players, which made it even more confusing. Yeah, to have a homes behind anyone is a huge head scratcher. The numbers don't lie, baby. I'm not just talking about those stats either. Check check the bank account after that <laughs> most recent deal. Check, you please. buy a lot of Magic City catfish bites with that money. <laughs> All right, so we got the herd, speaking of sports takes, we got the herd coming out and saying that if Kawhi Leonard wins a title this year, he's automatically a top 10 player of all time. Uh, you and I are are guys who analyze, consume, and then uh, discuss sports media and sports media takes. This take has been floating out there for a while. Um, I personally think it's just a desperate cry for help from the herd. He just the poor guy's just got nothing else to talk about at this moment. But that being said, and, and we also you and I make fun of the uh, Jordan versus LeBron debates, and we make fun of the kind of the all time 
great debates because like like we've said it's just it's layup content it's easy content and it's 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 obviously funny to make make fun of um but are you are you where what how do you, how do you feel about this take and i don't necessarily have like an insanely strong opinion one way or the other although i wouldn't put Kawhi in the top 10 ever right now uh but how, how do you feel about that take from the herd it would be i mean obviously it's it's slow it's slow around these parts um but it would be insane if he were to win three titles with three different teams, especially if he were to win this year and win finals MVP, then that would also mean he'd have three finals MVPs with three different teams. Uh, that would, that would truly be insane. Top 10 all time. I mean, I don't know, maybe, but I think that putting him in like trying to categorize him in a list would would do the the like the bigger picture in injustice of potentially winning three different championships with three different teams and winning finals MVPs and all those I think that would just be such an insane feat that I mean yeah I guess you could kind of categorize it however you want after that but you should focus on that feat in mm. the first place I guess I don't really have a, a strong take one way or another as to whether he's top 10 all time after that, but dude's an insane player. Um, no disrespect to any of the old timers, but I mean, that would truly be something that would be unprecedented. Agreed. I, and that's a great point. I didn't think about three different finals MVPs. Cause that, that really, I mean, not that if you win a title without a finals MVP, it, it makes it illegitimate or anything, but like when you're the finals MVP, you're the top dog of that at that moment, the best team in the world, which is, you know, you're putting your stamp on, you're putting your stamp on it. And that's, yeah, it feels like definitely that extra, that extra umph to your, uh, to your legacy, especially when you see players, you know, holding the finals MVP trophy along with the uh, Larry OB, as they say. Um, damn, I just forgot what I was going to say. Mm. Um, should we move on to, uh, to, to Portnoy Trump or, or should we, uh, you got any other NBA bubble takes before we hop into it? I guess overall, I, I could see it by the herd, but it must have been slow to to even like think of that as a as a headline. And and, and to be fair, it is slow. Yeah, we can yeah. go Portnoy versus uh, not Portnoy versus Trump. We can go Portnoy and and Trump. Uh, I, I got a lot of got a lot of talking points on this one, so go ahead and uh, and tee it up. I so with Barstool, you know they're they're a content company. That's what they are. At the end of the day. Their goal is to get eyeballs. That's how they get paid. And they're a content company. And they'll do it by posting videos of all kinds. They're obviously called Barstool Sports, but they'll post videos of all kinds. You know, Barstool Outdoors, Barstool This, Barstool That, random Bill's Mafia <laughs> videos, random kids lighting stuff on fire in their dorm room. And, you know, it's literally everything. You guys obviously all know what Barstool is. They hadn't really gotten into the political realm before, though. And that's what made them awesome to a lot of people, myself included. Is dude, it's like it's just a site uh, that creates content on on IG, on Twitter, via podcasts, in the written word, uh, video form, however you want to put it. That is just there to make you laugh. Oftentimes, it has to do with sports. Oftentimes, it's one of their employees just you know chugging a keg, and it's funny for a certain reason. But then, and then Portnoy does the sit down with Trump, and I didn't even really think like. Oh great! Now Barstool's into politics. That actually didn't cross my mind at first, but then 
Big Cat does this rant on Barstool Radio. Uh, he's obviously him and Portnoy are the two faces of Barstool. I would say you can you can maybe throw uh, PFT in there, and you can maybe throw KFC in there. But generally speaking, when people think of Barstool, they think of they think of Portnoy, and then they think of Big Cat. Uh, let's just be honest. Um, it's a ten minute video from Big Cat, so we're not going to play any of the audio. But his overall gist was. You know, when Penn acquired Barstool, or a percentage of Barstool, I should say, Big Cat was in that meeting room with the Barstool CEO and Portnoy and the Penn CEO, and they were all uh, excited about, you know, the future, et cetera. They were all partners, and so they, they essentially said, you know, as you're, when you're a partner, you have equity in a company. Big Cat, I imagine, has a ton of Penn stock, um, and we know Portnoy does, and you know, whenever a decision gets made and you're a partner of a company or a partner of a firm, you're obviously in on the decision or at the very least aware that a decision is going to be made uh, that is of either somewhat or major importance to the company. And Big Cat wasn't involved in the decision making of Portnoy sitting down with Trump. I think, in my opinion, I mean, maybe people can disagree with this and that's fine, but the reason the Trump Portnoy sit down happened. Obviously, it's an election year. We're a couple months away from the election. Trump's trying to get an extra push in the polling numbers. I think that's that's pretty obvious. And in fact, Big Cat actually said that um, someone from Biden's team had reached out to part of my take and, and asked if they want to do a Biden interview. And and Big Cat turned it down, which I thought was pretty damn noble um, to to do that and just just to you know turn down politics uh, when you're a company that doesn't have anything to do with it or want anything to do with it. So that's where we are. And I didn't, you know, it's it's it was just kind of crazy to see the two faces of Barstool. I don't want to clash might be too harsh of a word, but but Big Cat go after Dave, who seems to be kind of like a unchallenged not dictator, but just like an unchallenged figure in the company because the guy busted his ass for. 10 or 15 years making hardly any money to make the company what it is now. And it's an awesome company. looks like an awesome company to work for. They obviously produce really funny content that gets viewed. And, and for someone to go at Dave super publicly, that was, that was huge. I haven't seen anyone do that before. I mean, we've, we've seen like, you know, PFT right back when um, that video of Portnoy, that was definitely like, you know, had a racist tone to it resurfaced from 2016. It was a racist joke. Uh, obviously super poor taste. And then, you know, PFT wrote an article kind of criticizing Dave and, and other people did too. But this was Big Cat, who's, you know, the, probably second in line at Barstool. Like if they lost him, that would be a massive blow to the company going after Dave. And so anyways, you know, it's, uh, you know, people can call it drama or, or just content for clicks, but I it, it felt like it was super from the heart from Big Cat. And I don't know, this kind of drama, you and I were both super into media and, and the content game and this, this kind of thing just uh, just fascinated me, and and that's kind of how I saw it. Yeah, that's that's really well said. It's it's a great summary of of what took place. I don't have a, a strong take one way or the other here, but I'm just going to point out some things that that I observed throughout this entire dramatic episode, plus the actual interview itself. Okay, so first the interview, mm-hmm. only 15 minutes long. Too many softball questions for my taste. This is the president of the United States. He should have asked more like actual hard hitting questions. That was a point that Big Cat brought up. But I would say like a third of it was them just making small talk about Fauci or Goodell. Like no one, we don't need that. 
you can go on El Press can go on as many Goodell rants as he wants on his own time. Same with Fauci rants. They, it should have been all hard hitting Jay questions, except for maybe like a soft intro, you know, just to kind of get him warmed up. So that that was my first point. The second point I wanted to make was for for Big Cat's response to the whole thing happening. He absolutely should have been included in the decision, but I didn't really think of it as now Barstool is a political company because of one interview, especially since it was with the like with the the president that is Donald Trump. I mean, it had been one thing if Dave had been, you know, tweet tweeting political takes for you know years now, or if he had interviewed multiple politicians. I mean, this is something where it's not just the president, but Trump himself is such a crazy, like, pu- like crazy famous public figure to that point where it's really more than interviewing the president. So that's a once in a lifetime opportunity. I don't think that that automatically makes Barstool a, a political content company now. But I think that Big Cat was just, he was using that as a way to kind of have some leverage there and to reinforce the the idea that not consulting him was pretty messed up. And I agree, it was messed up for him not to know about that or him not to have an opinion on that. But I don't think that they're now automatically a political company and there's just no way around that. I think that might be a little bit overdramatic. Um, okay, so those are the two main points I had. And then my final point is is something I really want your feedback on here, Chief. After Big Cat called out El Prez, I didn't see... I could be wrong, but I didn't see Portnoy issue an emergency press conference responding to this. And I bring this up because in almost every other company dramatic issue or deal, however you want to classify it, I've seen El Prez issue these emergency press conferences to either apologize or to address the situation. He did it with the call her daddy situation. He did it with the Michael Rappaport situation. And, and countless others, but he didn't even respond to it publicly. So I, I want your take on that. Did that seem odd to you? And you know, should he have should he have said something? I, I really think that he should have addressed it. Yeah, that's a really good point there at the end. Um I I didn't think about that, but it's true. I mean, every every time, whether it was when that uh, Kaepernick video of him resurfaced a couple of weeks back. He posted, I think, two different emergency press conferences, whether it's the call her daddy thing, whether it's, I mean, literally pretty much anything. Uh, there's an emergency press conference. And no, you're right. He did not uh, He did not issue out any kind of emergency press conference um, kind of, uh, you know, a post to basically either apologize or address it, which to me is is bizarre because you would think he would want to emphasize some clarity on on what had went down particularly when big cat made the pretty strong not accusation but statement that barstool was now political and here's the deal i don't think barstool's now political i totally agree with you on that 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 was probably a little bit um over the top to say well now we're a political company because they're not uh but if 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 the face of your company does a joking around interview with the president of the United States where they're slapping knees and talking about Fauci and talking about Goodell and 
And and like you said, lobbing softball questions to the interview, which I've watched twice now. It's only about 15 minutes. Some of the questions appear decent on the surface from Portnoy, where they're like, well, you know, one of them in particular, which I thought was a good question, was, you know, Trump or Mr. President, you've said that if there's a, a football game where people are kneeling, you're going to just turn the TV off. Like, what else would you like people to do to, to show that they're in solidarity with the black community and police brutality against police brutality, et cetera? And, you know, Trump uh, essentially didn't answer it. He, he just like started talking about something else pretty much. And, and at that point, you need to follow up. You need to say, hey, hey, uh, you know, Mr. President, you didn't really answer the question. Like, what? Like, give us a give us a, an actual answer. What would you actually want people to do? No, nothing like that. Not even remotely close to a follow up. He just it was like watching a 12 year old interview a 50 year old. He would ask him a question and then and then he'd laugh at what his answer was and and move on to the next question. It was it wasn't a good interview from from that standpoint. But uh, at, at all, it was actually terrible. But but what I get to is people thought it was funny, and and that I think is what Portnoy wanted is he wanted content out of it. Um, and you know, call that egotistical, call that whatever you want to call it. But I think he pretty much wanted content out of it. He didn't seem like the kind of guy that wanted to go in and make enemies with the president. That being said, it was still a very poorly conducted interview. But at the end of the day, he got content out of it. As far as Barstool being a political company now, because that was a good point that you brought up, are they really? I don't think so. Um, but when the face of your of your franchise and, and Portnoy is like obviously by far the face of Barstool, and you know Big Cat's down there somewhere, and he's of course very important to the company. But uh, again, Portnoy is obviously the you know the face. Whenever you see someone kind of laughing and joking and doing an interview with the president of the United States, that says something about the company. Like if if a sports center anchor, say Neil Everett, was did exactly what Portnoy did, sat down with Trump for fifteen minutes and was laughing and joking and ha ha, what about Goodell and ha ha, what about Fauci? Isn't that funny? Like, you know how much shit ESPN would would take for that? And like, granted, Barstool is much, much smaller, um, but there's still, you know, a big presence on the internet. You know how much shit ESPN would take? And I feel like Barstool really hasn't taken a, a, a ton from really many folks at all, um, which should they even take shit in the first place? Um, you know, probably a little bit, uh, maybe not a ton. But but like like I say, if, if like Neil Everett sat down with Trump and, and laughed and asked him softball questions, you know that company would get would get I mean steamrolled by the New York Times, the New York Post, everyone who covers sports media, etc. And not to get political here, but famous last words, right? But remember when I was was off off the air talking to you about how I don't I didn't think that any of the sponsors would pull their sponsorships with Barstool after some of those old videos resurfaced. Mm-hmm. Why I don't think that any of them did. So it's it goes kind of goes back to that point where like you're talking about how other companies would get crucified if they were in Barstool's shoes in this instance with interviewing the president in the way that Portnoy did. It's just it, it's just different ground, right? I mean, we're we're talking about just different battlefields, different different playing rules almost. Mm-hmm. Barstool seems like it's such a unique company in such a unique space that there's not really a comparable there. 
Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. They're they've set completely different standards for themselves. ESPN has clearly set, you know, a standard of of them trying to be, you know, um good journalists, good play by play guys. And I I truly think the vast majority of the company strives for that. Um, you know, I know some ESPN employees, I know some on air people there and and then even the people I don't know, like a Van Pelt or or Fowler or whoever, they all they all seem great at their job and like they just want to be great at their job, uh, and hold themselves to kind of the you know, entertainment, but still, you know, journalist, uh, you know, I guess PC standard. Um, I think, you know what I'm getting at where, where Barstool is like, are you kidding me? That's like the exact opposite of who we want to be. And they've set that standard for themselves. So you're right. I think that's kind of what, that is the, that is the main difference there. Um, and that's probably why they didn't get any, any criticism for it. I didn't like expect, you know, it's, it's funny, like until, Big Cat brought that up. I I didn't think like, oh wow, Barstool's in trouble or Barstool's this or Barstool's that. I just thought like that was kind of funny, a terribly conducted interview, but kind of funny, and that's content. And I think that's probably all Portnoy wanted out of it. And then what Trump wanted out of it was, you know, the eighteen year olds in Canton, Ohio now voting for him. <laughs> yeah. I and one last point before we can wrap up this topic, at least on my end. Big Cat was talking about how Trump and the White House used Barstool for that interview. It's a two-way street, right? He gets a demographic that, you know, maybe he didn't have before um, for potential votes in the fall. And Portnoy gets more content and he gets more fame. So there's two sides of that coin. I I don't think that you could possibly come away from that and say, Oh, they used Barstool. Trump used Barstool. Uh, it, it's there's a reason that Portnoy did it in the first place, right? It was a, a mutually beneficial decision. Totally, yeah. They used each other mutually beneficial. I think, and that's what a lot of people do with the media. I mean, that's that's what a ton of people do with the media. I mean, Jimmy Butler with Rachel Nichols last last year or two years was it two years ago to get out of Minnesota, <laughs> just sitting down with her like in his home. <laughs> um, that happens all the time, all the freaking time. Um, so yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Good discussion there. Um, by the way, quick update and you folks will probably know this by, by uh, the time you're listening, but Dodgers over the Astros four to two, let's go baby. In 13 innings, Dodgers are two and zero against Houston in this series up to four and two on the year. They somehow lost those last two games of the series to the Giants, which shouldn't make any sense. The Giants used like 19 pitchers in those last two games, just being fake tough to try to get those wins. But uh, let's go, baby. Fuck the Astros. Fuck the Astros. Fuck the Astros. And let's go, Dodgers. <laughs> if the Dodgers don't win this year, man, that's it. I'm, I am done with baseball. I'll never watch another baseball game again. Right. Fuck them, dude. Fuck the Astros, baby. It feels great. I, I'm feeling great about the – I mean, everything, the stars are aligning for the Dodgers to win this year, man. And, and let's just quickly talk about it. Rob Manford suspending Joe Kelly for eight games. I mean, what in the world so, – so Joe Kelly, you know, if you folks haven't seen what happened, he threw high at Correa, threw high at a couple folks. By the way, didn't hit uh, – didn't end up hitting Correa and then struck him out like one or two pitches later. Walked back to the dugout. Bad mouth him said nice swing bitch or something to that effect. Hashtag free Joe Kelly. Hashtag Joe Kelly Fight Club, baby. I'm all in on Joe Kelly. I've been looking for a favorite baseball player in the league for a while now. It quite honestly used to be Correa or Altuve, and now I, I just I 
absolutely can't root for cheaters, so can't root for those guys. I'm all in on Joe Kelly. I'm all in on the Dodgers, and there's nothing to say, but why the hell was he suspended for eight games and the and the cheating Astros, the Houston Cheatstros, were not suspended for any games? I would have if I was the commissioner of Major League Baseball, I would have suspended every Astro who was in on that for an entire year. They would have had to bring up all their farm players, and I would have taken away the rings from them. That's exactly what I would have done, and and how that didn't get done is is just beyond me. How anything didn't get done is beyond me. Why do they still have their championship? Why are all those guys still playing? I mean, come on, man. We really expect that those fake apologies that they issued in the spring—that was it. Uh, that's your that's your grievance. Your re- those those are your reparations. Man, that's so weak. And Joe Kelly, by the way was suspended six games for when he actually did hit someone and then legitimately fought them uh, earlier in his career. So getting suspended eight games for not hitting someone and not fighting them, yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense. What is that, inflation? I mean, come on. <laughs> what are we doing here? I'm getting a Joe Kelly jersey. You I'm might have to. Right now. <laughs> we I'm, might I'm, have to. I'm ordering a Joe Kelly jersey right now. That's my new favorite player in the league. Dude, that's what I was just saying. And, that you know, um, when he was in Boston, which is the uh, uh, occurrence you're referring to earlier in his career, when he hit someone, I think his name was Tyler Austin for the Yankees, and then fought him, the, the, cl- <laughs> the classic Red Sox fans, those folks are characters. They came up with a Joe Kelly Fight Club t-shirt. And I'm looking at that thing for $18 online right now on Amazon, and I might just have to pull the, pull the trigger here. So you want to get, the, I'll get that and the jersey. I don't care. <laughs> Joe Kelly Fight Club shirt could also be in for the Joe Kelly. Yeah. Oh, man. They got all kinds of Joe Kelly Fight Club shirts. Dude, he's, I mean, he's just, he's awesome, dude. And and what, can can baseball do anything right, dude? I mean, like, I get that they get way too much criticism at times. Like, oh, wow, the Marlins got tested positive for COVID, like, what the hell's wrong with the MLB? Well, it's like, I mean, what did you expect, dude? There's, there's, there's 60 men on these clubs. You know, I don't know how many travel, 30 or something travel. They're traveling all over the country. And by the way, there were 6,400 tests last week and literally zero positives on every team except for the Marlins. So that's pretty good. And to blame that on Manfred was like, it was just, I, I don't know. I didn't like it. But, but now today, Manfred comes out and suspends Joe Kelly for eight games. I mean, that that kind of behavior from Joe Kelly would have been applauded in the 90s and the early 2000s. That was playoff intensity and 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 the kind of stuff that gets you fired up. Like, I remember watching Red Sox games on, on Fox in August, September, October growing up and seeing pitchers do something like that. You know, Pedro was, screamed at people. That was applauded. And for Joe Kelly to get suspended for it, like, you're just going in the wrong direction, Manfred. You just are. You talking about the same '90s where Jordan used to beat up on Wingstop managers, <laughs> on Magic City workers, insurance salesmen, the whole night. I, I, I like, I like some of the ones that we thought of. You know, when 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 the MJ versus Plumbers debate was at its all time high. What are we arcade repairmen? <laughs> yeah, roofers. Uh, bo- yeah, roofers. Chimney I think bo- sweepers. <laughs> chimney sweepers we we had bo- like bobcat workers or something 
driving those yeah. construction bobcats. Garbage uh, man. <laughs> garbage man. Hey, so, hey, knock that Insurance, off. Yeah, Insurance suck, salesman. Dude. Insurance salesman. <laughs> God, my dad loved Manfred those. Suck. Those are good. He's, yeah. way, he's worse than, way worse than Goodell. By far the worst commissioner. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that's that's tough. Uh, all right. I got a quick Blazers rant. Um, and I didn't even write any notes down for this. I just kind of got to gotta get, get this off my chest. <sighs> I'm seeing a lot of folks out there saying the Blazers are are a dark horse. Oh, what about this? It's a topic on the jump every other day. Well, dude, now that Nurkic and Collins and Whiteside, they got three seven-footers and then two of the better guards in the league, you know, one of the best backcourts in the league, they might be a real contender. Folks, they're not a real contender. And I hate to say this because I love the Portland Trail Blazers. I've said it many times. If the Blazers, if and when the Blazers win their next NBA championship, I'm going to take work off for a week and fly up to the city of Portland and just and just go crazy downtown for for about a week. Crazier than those crazy Antifa folks downtown every night these days. But the Blazers are not a contender. And I and I hate to say it because they're a team that made the Western Conference Finals last year, even though they were hobbled. They made it without Yusuf Nurkic to the Western Conference Finals last year before eventually losing to the Warriors in four. Two of those games were were very close, and two of those games were not that close. But the Blazers just aren't a contender, folks. They they need more. Dame needs more help. And it's not Dame's fault. He's one of the best players in the world. Uh, I don't know if he got first-team All-NBA this year or if that's been decided or whatnot, but they were, there was a stretch in, in January, and it might have even started in December and gone to February. And it, and it heightened um, on the um, on the Kobe return uh, game in LA, where he was he was playing like the best player in the world. I mean, he was averaging forty something a game on like forty five percent from three. It was an insane stretch for like a month, um, kind of Harden esque from the previous year. But the Blazers aren't a real contender, and the reason they're not a real contender. Isn't because of Dame. It isn't even because of CJ. CJ's a really, really, really good player that a lot of teams in the league would love to have. It's because their defense fucking sucks. We don't have um, any Baca, a Draymond. Um, you know, be nice if Dame or CJ could play defense like 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 a Clay or like a Jimmy Butler, like a two way player. Their defense is so awful. And I and I I don't know how this hasn't been talked about more in Portland media, but their defense is so atrocious, particularly on the perimeter. And it's not even like just Dame's fault or just CJ's fault. Like there are a lot of players in the league. I think we can all admit Kyrie and Steph, great offensive players. I mean, wonderful offensive players, pretty below average defensive players. I mean, there's a reason the Rockets went it when it uh when it Steph so much and almost beat him. There's a reason that um you know Steph you know, shoots well against the Blazers, shoots well against um, Kyrie. <clears throat> but the Blazers' defense is fucking awful, and, and we got to get it better, and there's no excuse for it. I think Terry Stotts is, is, is kind of like, you know, he was, at the, he was with, the, with the Mavericks before, 
they're the Mavericks are by the way for folks the, the Mavericks are like the same exact team as the Blazers. They just got Porzingis and and um you know Porzingis and Luca instead of Damon CJ. They're the exact same team. Very efficient on offense, terrible on defense. Um we gotta get fucking better at defense. I'm tired of watching random wing players make five threes on us and a half. It's gonna happen in the postseason, especially because, or in these seeding games, especially because Melo's bad at defense. By the way, Melo's better than I think people expected him to be, but he's still not good on defense. Um, And I don't even have one player to call out or one coach to call out, but Jesus fucking Christ, we got to get better on defense. It's, it's, it's atrocious. And that shows how, you know, two-way players like LeBron and Kawhi um, and Clay you know how invaluable they are to teams um because our defense fucking sucks and we don't have we don't have this we don't have a single defensive stopper like back when we had Wes Matthews Wes Matthews was fucking awesome people forget that he was a great great defensive player we don't have anyone like that our defense just has to get better man that's 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 all i got to say it's a great rant Wes Matthews is awesome uh, too. That was one of my favorite Blazers for sure. Batum played good defense too. They, they, that squad that they had, they locked up and and they were pretty fun on offense uh, with Dame Aldridge, Wes Batum, um, and one other player I'm forgetting. But that was a fun squad for sure. Yeah, it, it's tough, man. Tough to play defense in today's NBA when there's so much offensive firepower out there and so so many shooters that space the floor, but. Yeah, d- defense still it I don't know if it wins championships outright. I say that still like offensive firepower is the most important thing in the league, but defense sure as hell helps. Um defenders like Clay and and Draymond and and KD too. Large part of why the Warriors won those those championships. It's a large part of why I think the Clippers have such a big advantage with Kawhi and PG as their two stars. Both great two-way players. Both top five defenders so yeah it's i don't know you can't really fix that overnight and i I totally feel you i i don't know who is saying that portland is a yeah yeah, you're right dark horse contender i can see why that can be a fun narrative but like yeah realistically they're not and if you're going to get run out of the gym on the defensive end of the floor you don't really have a chance at all i don't know what they can do to really fix that chief but it is frustrating, and if I were a Portland fan, I would be beyond frustrated by that. Right? No, I, 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 um, I feel it. And, and listen, like it can, you know, it can, uh, it can change. I, they got to win by, you know, by team defense, and they had some low-scoring wins against the Nuggets, um, in the in the Western Conference semifinals last year. Uh, they just kind of outscored the Thunder. Um, although, you know, um, Harkless and, and Aminu, I, I, it was, it was beyond annoying watching them brick open three after open three after open three, but they were good defenders. I mean, they were six, seven, six, eight long arms willing to commit on that side of the ball. Um, and anyways, it's just. It's just frustrating watching Dame too. I mean, we have a generational talent, a guy who's going to go down as one of the all-time uh, three-point shooting greats, uh, as one of the one of the better players of of this generation. Certainly, one of the best Blazers ever, if not the best Blazer ever. A lot of people say he already is. Um, 
and we just can't like play enough defense and help him out to to get over the hump. You know, I look at a guy like Kyrie who was aided by playing with other great players and great defensive players. I look at a guy like Steph who um has is has been aided by playing alongside other great defensive players and great players and I just wish Dame had that. I just like he just hasn't had that chance yet. And it's a, it's a bummer. It's a fucking bummer cuz he's in his prime right now. Um and it's just frustrating. Like people ask, like, "Well, are are you a LeBron fan or are you a Blazer fan?" Well, first and foremost, by far, if I could choose one team to win the title, it would be the Blazers, and there's no close second. And I know you know that, but just getting that out there. <clears throat> but it's like I, I, it's it's tough to commit to them when you know they're not going to win. I mean, it would take it would take a miracle for them for them to win. It would take a ton of injuries, and it's not Dame's fault, and it's just a bummer. It's just a bummer. So anyways, um, but that being said, it's fun as hell watching him sauce the hell out of Paul George and, and, and Russell Westbrook and anyone the Nuggets tried to throw at him. Um, and then he just kind of ran out of steam in the, in, the, in the Western Conference Finals last year, which is another reason why the, <clears throat> the overall game plan probably needs a little bit more adjusting because it was a little bit too much Dame, uh, and he just got gassed in the playoffs. But, uh, but yeah, yeah. Um, that's that's where I'm at. Rip City though, man. Rip City till I die. I hope that we can once we get Whiteside's contract off the books, we can find a way to get some better defensive players onto the team. Um so yeah, that's where I'm at. You got an office office uh terms rant? Uh, that's a good rant, man. It really is. Um this last point that I wrote down on our on our menu on our outline. Is it so I'm in these office meetings every day in my corporate job and I I keep hearing the same terms over and over again. And I know folks that work corporate jobs, maybe not even a corporate job, but you work in a, in a shared environment, you know, collaborating with team members and, and managers guarantee you'll hear these terms too, folks. We really need to come up with alternative phrases, words, however you want to, you know, call these things to the following. High level. We need to come up with a substitute for the term <laughs> high level. Okay. I hear that at least five times a day. High level summary, high level results, high level recap. Please, for the love of God, use something else. Okay. So that's first and foremost. Number two, unprecedented times. I, and I hear that outside of work too, but we get, can we find another way to phrase our situation in, in our world right now? With COVID-19, these are unprecedented times. You know, operating under these unprecedented times. It's the same thing. It's like we we, we got to stop using that. It's, it's, become, it's become overkill. Folks, law of diminishing returns. Come on. Come on now. Uh, number three, feel free to jump in at any time here, Chief. These are th- Those are the, the, the two that jump out right away at me. But um, oh, number three, speed to market. I hear speed to market at least four or five times a day too. Can we can we think of something different? I mean, gosh, what are we doing here? The, the, the same terms over and over and over again in the same meetings. Can you see my screen? How about that one? Am I sharing my screen? I'll give you some, I, I, I hate this one. I'll give you some time back when you finish a meeting early. What what do you think that time just is is goes towards my vacation? Oh, I got to use it doing something else. Well, what about the classic, I hope this email finds you well. When has an email ever found anyone well? Come on now. Those are the ones off the top of my head, Chief. I don't know if you had anything to add to that, but 
we got to we got to think of some alternatives there. No, that's a good one. Uh, the circle back is obviously uh, an uh, an overused one. Circle back with me when you're done with that. Um, it, Jesus Christ, dude, just tell me to like talk to you when I'm done with it. Like I don't, I, I'll 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 finish it and then talk to you. I'm not gonna circle back. Like you know, circle back is a tough one. Um, yeah, I mean, I just the general email like professionalism is pretty funny. Like uh, greetings. Um, kindly do this for me like when i when i was interning at, at score preston can you kindly uh finish up this for me can you can you kindly do this <laughs> um and it's not even coming out of a bad place in the person's start it's just like i'll do it i'll do it man um so yeah uh i would add those two to the list yeah it's it's not even like not even complaining really or like none of these people are bad people we were all guilty of doing it including myself but you know maybe we could think of some different terms or phrases here for some of these overused expressions that's all i'm asking there you go love it all right folks you got anything to to add here as we as we finish up big tony nothing else to add man hell of a show welcome back hell of a show folks welcome back to the nba uh thank you for being with us again you can you can follow us on Twitter on Instagram, it's Tony in the field. You can listen to us uh, on uh, the uh, Apple Podcast app and through our SoundCloud page as well. We'll tweet out that link for you guys. And uh, yeah, hit us back with any feedback you have. Always good to hear from you guys. You guys do a good job of, of giving us feedback. So we appreciate that. And uh, yes, so we'll uh, we'll continue to ramp up the content as we have sports pretty much back. Um, and uh, I'm sure we'll do a, a college football breakdown of sorts when the pac 12 provides a little bit more clarity about what it's doing uh which will hopefully be later this week or or early next week so uh yeah we'll talk to you guys then thanks for listening